Good morning, FCS football fans. Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. David Hassegan here, as always, along with Lazar, the playbook, the professor of the playbook. Maybe that's your new nickname, Emery Hunt. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Oh, it's been great. Bowl season is here. College football playoffs are winding down. We're gotten down to the final two in the FCS. We had national championship games in D2 and D3. Shout out to Valdosta State and Mary Harden Baylor for winning their national championship games in the D2 and D3 levels. We've got bowl games all over the place. Sorry about your Asian Cajuns. He's still repping here, though, folks. He's still, still repping, still man. Still repping in the studio. And we will have a Raging Cajun reference later on in the podcast. What will it be? Hmm, we'll find out later on. But, folks, we're down to the final couple of weeks of the season here. We're a week away from Christmas. As hard as that is to believe. We're I know, right? It just kind of popped up on it. Uh, uh, Hopefully you've gotten your Christmas shopping. If not, this is your PSA. Do it now before you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Folks, let's talk about these incredible games. We're going to talk about the Celebration Bowl. we got two great semifinals we're going to talk about here. we got more coaching changes. we got even more coaches leaving. You figured it would be done by now. Still not. we got award season coming up. We're going to be talking about two awards that are already handed out. We've got finalists for two of the important awards in the FCS level. We'll talk about... We'll do a light preview. Light preview today. We'll wait on the in-depth national title game preview until two weeks from now. We're going to take next week off for the holidays, and we are going to do, maybe we'll have a little something for the people uh, besides the championship game preview in that final week, Emery. I I think we should do something right by the folks. Do something right. Again, folks, if you want to listen back on any of these podcasts, go to SoundCloud or iTunes, search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. Subscribe while you're over there so you don't miss a thing. Don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com for all of your football knowledge from the NFL through college and beyond. And don't forget to follow us on the Twitter, FCS Opening Drive, at FBall Game Plan for my man Emery over here. And let's get right into the action here, Emery. And we're going to start with the Celebration Bowl. Before we get into the semifinals, we're going to talk North Carolina A&T versus Alcorn State in Georgia for the Celebration Bowl. First game of bowl season, and it was a really entertaining ball game. One of the a pretty good attendance, but I think they said 31,000 as the official attendance for this ball game. North Carolina A&T came in. We didn't know really what to expect. They had a good season. They kind of came from behind to win the, the MEAC championship. Really hadn't performed to the level we had seen last year where they went undefeated. Alcorn State. Great defense. What can you bring on the offensive side of the ball after winning the SWAC? Really a really entertaining ball game. Alcorn comes on late, but North Carolina A&T holds on 24-22. What did you see in this ball game? There was, a, there was a lot of points to talk about here. Well, I saw the first half live before I had to go to the Jets-Texans game. I'm sorry. But I saw the second half Saturday night when I got back home on replay, and I was just like, wow, they really turned it around. Because when I left, I, I thought that A&T – had this one pretty in control. I was yeah. like, okay, in the passing game is clicking. Uh, Lamar Randall is throwing the football well, and they had just thrown that touchdown pass to Elijah Bell. So I was like, all right, so this game may yep. be starting to get out of reach. But my goodness, Noah Johnson and his ability as a runner, his progress as a passer I've talked about throughout the course of the season, especially the latter part of the year. But my goodness, the 59-yard run, he literally looked like – he was running on fast forward, and oh, everybody yeah. else was running normal speed. And credit to Alcorn's coaching staff for going for two. I, I, I love that. You know, when you're playing, you play to win, you know? Absolutely. And, and you got to give credit to the running game as a whole. Deshaun Waller had a hell of a game himself, and he was overshadowed by his own quarterback. Waller goes for 167, but he doesn't get any touchdown. Joe, Noah Johnson gets two on the ground. But I'll tell you what really stood out to me in this game. 
Lamar Raynard finally balled out. He's been struggling this year. There have been times where he really has not looked good. Uh, we've talked about the inconsistency on offense for North Carolina A&T all season, really. He came out in the bowl game, and they talked about it in the pregame. He felt disrespected. He was left off the all-conference team. He felt disrespected. He goes 18 for 30 for 292 and two touchdowns. That's what we've been waiting to see from him all year long. And I like the awareness he has by saying that, you know, this made – this is his college, his last final college football game. Yeah, but maybe the time he, the last time he puts on a college football uniform. Yeah, that shows a a great bit of perspective that yes. you know he understands the daunting task of making it to the professional level, whether it's NFL, um, Alliance of American Football, or the XFL, or whatever. It's like you know it's a tough uphill battle. I know the cards are stacked against me, so I really have to go out there and play because this may be the last time I put on football equipment. Yeah. So credit to him and credit to that football team for going out there and winning. And all, you got to love the fact that A&T's coach, Sam Washington, has done a great job in his first season. Yeah. FBS upsets, Black College National Championship, Celebration Bowl victory. You know, what, what more can you see? Really a terrific job. And a great season this year for Alcorn as well. Um, defensively, they were outstanding in this game, especially against the run. You heard nothing about Cartwright in this game. He only had 13 carries. He only picked up four yards in this game. They shut down the running game. They just couldn't find an answer for A&T's passing attack. But Alcorn's got some, they got some really, really good players they could build on in the next couple seasons to really be a power in the swack again. Deshaun Waller, the running back, once again, phenomenal. Great over player. 160 yards rushing. Yeah, Noah Johnson's a junior. Uh, he's coming back next year, so yep. is Waller. This team, to me, already is the front runner, again, in the swack. Yeah. Great defensive football team. Now, yeah, they'll be losing a star-studded player up front on the defensive line, number 55. But other than that, this is a young football team, a junior-laden team that's going to be a senior-laden team next year. Yeah. Puts them right in position to make another run, not only at the Celebration Bowl. We may see this team potentially flirt with an at-large bid because mm. if you think about it, how the SWAC plays out, you have the East and West champs. Right. If – this Grambly's team, coming back. Grambly's coming back. Southern should be good because Southern is in the same boat as Alcorn. Yep. Alabama A&M is going to be a really tough team to play next year. Jackson State improved late in the season. So yep. Alcorn could be good but may not be good enough to win the SWAC, which could put them, if they're ranked high enough, yep. depending on what they do out of conference, could be in line for in that large bit. But either way, this team is going to be a problem in the SWAC once again. Absolutely. Let's give out one game ball for this game. We'll do it for all three of these games here. For me, though, my game ball goes to Malik Wilson from North Carolina NT. Another touchdown off a kickover turn. That's his fourth this season. That's an incredible stat. And you watch this kid and you're thinking, is this guy going NFL or is he going for the U.S. Olympic team? Because his speed, <laughs> right. when he gets into the open field, is absolutely incredible. He's incredibly elusive. He is somebody that's going to get a look at the next level. I really think he's got a shot there. Yeah, I think so too, man. When you have that level of speed, it's ridiculous. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, it, it's outstanding how fast he was moving <laughs> in that ball game. Who's your game ball going to, Emery? Waller. Got to be Waller. Got to be Waller. But you know what? I'm going to give it to Noah Johnson because he, yeah. for what it looked to be, the game-winning or game-tying score, yep. or game-winning score. So <laughs> that run was phenomenal, dude. I, I have to give it to Noah Johnson, honestly. Unbelievable game there. Now let's get into the semifinals. We had 
one game where it was great distances were traveled. We had another game where it was very, very familiar. And let's start with that game that's familiar. The Battle for the Dakota Marker Playoff Edition. South Dakota State goes to the Dome, North Dakota State. This is a place that they have won at before. They certainly didn't lack any conferences, any confidence at, at all in conference matchup. And this was very much a tale of, first, of two halves. First half, South Dakota State looked to be in more control of this game. They really had North Dakota State kind of rattle a little bit. Yeah, and it was shocking because early on they had good tempo, good pace. Uh, I was so disappointed at number 80 for dropping all those passes. <laughs> oh, oh. Like he had some crucial drops that sure would have extended more, drive. Yeah, I'm sure he's more disappointed than you Oh, are. I about to say, he's way more disappointed <laughs> than I am. But they had a chance. But once again, man, North Dakota State, it's funny, just when you come into the game thinking that, okay, you can have some success against this defense in certain spots, yeah. they're good. In many different areas. I know it's yeah. easier said. I know it's, that's as simply as it's put. Yeah. But, my God, like, I, you don't want to discredit the coaches, but it's almost like it doesn't matter who coaches this football team. Mm. They do a great job of coaching themselves. Or, But yeah. I think, with the, in all seriousness, what the major thing is with North Dakota State and why they are so successful, it's all about execution. Yes, yes. And, yes, they're talented. Don't get me wrong. They're talented, but they out-execute everyone they play. That's why they're able to beat Kansas State, Minnesota, Iowa, Iowa State. They out-execute you, and they out-executed South Dakota State in that game. I would love to see them in training camp in August, because when they're running their offensive drills, it must look like the Marine Corps out there, because any little mistake must be just absolutely punished. But, I mean, let's talk about this first half, though, because South Dakota, I mean, North Dakota State, they were having pre-snap penalties when it was quiet. That's not supposed to happen. South Dakota, I mean, they're kicking field goals on fourth and short when they usually go for it. South Dakota State had them rattled, and I hate to say it, but more terrible officiating. All, the, all this talk we've had about player safety. Taron Christian slides twice. <laughs> the first one, he got absolutely drilled. He's on the ground flat. They right. hit him in the head. No flag. And first and second of all, shame on the South Dakota State medical staff because he clearly had a concussion after that hit or something like that. He's in there after one play. His chin strap was over his nose. There's, there's no way he should have been allowed back out there. But then it, it happens again. He slides late in the second quarter, gets hit in the leg, and you could see he was struggling there. If you're put, put, going to put the emphasis on player safety and then not call that, and I hate to say that if it was a player in yellow and green in the same situation, it would have been flagged, but we know how, to, how officials see games. There is some favoritism there, and to quote Lindy Ruff, the great Buffalo Sabres head coach, it's a joke. It's an absolute <laughs> joke that we've seen this now in two consecutive rounds. We saw it with the Maine versus Weber State game. Now we see it here. More poor officiating. But the second half, I mean, the Easton Stick Bruce Anderson show, that better be taking, be going on the road on Sundays next year because both of these guys showed absolute incredible quality here. I can't wait to see Easton Stick down at the East-West Shrine game. And he has accepted that bid, so that's going to be a he's going to he's going to show some people up. When you look at that group that they put together, um, the Brett Rippin, Marcus McMarion from Fresno State, Easton Stick, uh, Jordan Tiamu from Ole Miss. That's a good crop of quarterbacks that I think was better than the crop they had last year in that game. Yeah, Stick has a really good chance to elevate his profile uh, in this ball game. Not only in, in the ball game. Because we know he's a gamer, but also throughout the practices. He gets to show mm-hmm. a lot of those scouts and evaluators his full array of skills. And when you look at the rushing numbers from Stick in that ball game, yeah. 
to me, that was the reason why they beat South Dakota State. They could not stop Stick from picking up those yards with his legs, those first downs, and extending the drive. And that's what makes North Dakota State so good. Is there, you know, not only do they execute perfectly, it's so wide open where they can go with the ball. Eight different players had catches. Only two of them had more than one catch. Two. Two. That's it. They had one receiving touchdown. Eight different guys got the ball. That's scary. You they know, are a really good team to watch, man. Six different guys got a carry in this game. Like, you watch the game, and, and I'm I'm watching the game, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, at, from a coaching perspective, I'm thinking, like, damn, that was a hell of a deuce block. Man, that was a good scrape by the <laughs> linebacker. Man, that's a great job by the cornerback just walling <laughs> off the receiver to the sideline. One of the more technically sound and fundamentally sound football teams I've ever seen on film. Absolutely, absolutely unreal. Who are you giving your game ball to in this game? Easton Stick. Yeah. He has, has to, to get be. it. Yeah. I mean, the X, the ultimate X factor. Yeah. Uh, the wouldn't be denied X factor. You per- know? Perhaps next year's Lamar Jackson. Very oh, similar mold. Well, here's the thing. You could have said that about Brock Jensen. could have said that about Carson Wentz. Yeah. You're going to say it about Easton Stick. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's somebody back there behind Easton Stick that's going to carry on this tradition that, that we haven't. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't see a fall off from North no, Dakota State. No, they do it with coaches. They do it with quarterbacks. I'm going to give my coach my uh, game ball, by the way, to Coach Kleiman because mm-hmm. I respect what he did before this round. Obviously, we know he's going to Kansas State. He's already been there, and he's talking to the players. By the way, the speech he gave to the players on day one, I want to run through a wall for that man. Like, honestly. It's He's going to look awesome in that purple, too. That's a, that's a great color. He really is. I hope they give him a fair shake there when it comes to their scheduling and what oh, team yeah, they I, have. I, I w- it'll be interesting if they schedule North Dakota State. Can you imagine? I doubt it. Nobody wants no. to play North Dakota State. <laughs> but what he did before the game, folks, he went to his players. The news already came out. News already broke. He went to his team on Monday before practice started, got a team meeting, told them what the situation was, why he was doing it. Do you want me to coach? He asked them straight up. If you don't want me on the sideline, I'm okay with that, and I'll go. And the players overwhelmingly said, we want you here, coach. So I give them a lot of respect for that. You see so many coaches that just bail and just get out of the way, and you know they kind of leave their players in a loop. He didn't do that. He's staying off of the championship game. Well done, coach. Very nicely done. Let's get to the second semifinal. This one was kind of a, a question mark. Really an un, a lot of unknown quantities here. University of Maine. With another long road trip, this was, I believe, it was over three thousand miles from there, from where they are in Orono to Washington, to take on the Eastern Washington team that really has been under the radar, amazingly, with how good they've been. And in the quarterfinal round, Maine made mistakes against Weaver. They didn't pay for them. They did early and often in this game, and it was all Eastern Washington from there on out. Fifteen to nineteen, the final score. What makes this Eagles team so dangerous? We just talked about Easton Stick. I guess we got to talk about Eric Barrier. Oh, my Lord. For Easton Washington. <laughs> oh, I my think Lord. Between him and Sam McPherson running the football, it's so dangerous to, to defend these guys. And yep. that right there, that level of balance, we see it with Lamar Jackson. You brought him up. We see it with Lamar Jackson in the NFL and what he does um, on, a, on a game-to-game basis. Because of Lamar Jackson's ability to run the football, yep. Gus Edwards is now going off. I think that right there is what you see from Barrier and also Sam McPherson. However, Barrier's ability to attack you vertically down the field, 
Underrated. Underrated. And he is the perfect fit for this offense because Gubru was phenomenal. And now but people are saying Gubru who? Bingo. Where did he go? Because <laughs> now you have Barry's <laughs> ability to pick up the cheap yards and first downs. Uh, we saw that last week against uh, UC Davis. Yeah. This game, they tried to play contain, and he was still beating them with his arm yep. uh, to the tune of 352 yards passing. So, and seven touchdowns. Exactly. I was highly disappointed in Maine, but you brought up a great point off air uh, saying that Maine played the exact same way last week, yeah. but Weber State played worse and yeah. didn't make them pay. Yeah, exactly. It was a very similar game because if you look at what happened with Maine last week, their pat- first of all, it, it was it was a little bit of a tweak though on the mistakes because last week in the quarterfinals, Maine made mistakes throwing the football, and they were still able to do relatively well in the running game. Here, Jefferson ends up with eleven carries for sixty-five yards. Couldn't find the space. They bring in Velez. He didn't work. Fitzpatrick didn't work. They had nine different guys with a carry in this game, including the quarterback. So Ferguson, who really hasn't had to pass that much all year. 54 attempts. That's not the main offense that they won with, but that's what Eastern Washington was able to do. Very athletic in the second level, spreading everything out, and force the main Black Bears, who had an incredible year all year, to throw the football, which is not their game. They forced them out of their game plan, and all the credit's going to go to Eastern Washington's offense. Their defense was just as good in this ballgame. Yeah, it, it's amazing, man. And, and now, I was... Kind of let down by by Maine. I, actually, I was wrong in both these games. I thought South Dakota State would, would win, and right. I thought Maine would win. Maine really got dismantled, and South Dakota State just started to get overpowered yeah. by North Dakota State, which yeah. sets up a really good rematch uh, in the championship game True. between NDSU and Eastern Washington. It really look. It, it's going to be. It's a very intriguing matchup because uh, uh, we will we'll go into this a little bit in the light preview. But at this point, I think there's only one thing that can beat North Dakota State, and it's something that Eastern Washington possesses. I'm not going to say what it is. We'll save that for later in the podcast. Ah, I love the tease. But I will say this. Easton Stick versus Berrier is going to be an incredible match. You know who's going to be there? Who? Me. Of course you are. Why wouldn't you be there? Well, because I'll be, I'll be at the College Gridiron Showcase now, in I'm- Fort Worth, <laughs> which is nearby to... Frisco. So now, are you going to risk going into the parking lot to visit some tailgaters and get their opinions on the game? Considering how much you have trashed Bison Nation this year, I have not trashed Bison Nation this year. This <laughs> I year. have the text, folks. <laughs> you have trashed Bison Nation, but I've 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 gone out to Fargo, and it was 2015, I believe. Um, 15. I, I, yeah, it was 2015. I went out to Fargo, maybe 14. Okay. Phenomenal tailgate. All right. I've had. Like it, 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 we've had this discussion, we had yeah. this argument in here about uh, with with our producer Mike McCarthy. Uh, we've had this argument about where's the best tailgate, right? And we, me and you, agreed. The Southern conferences have it, right? Yeah. Like you can't go if, if south of the Mason Dixon line, you could pretty much go anywhere. You, you're fine. Yeah. North of Virginia, you're pushing it. Yeah, a little bit, a little, a little bit. bit. You know, and we had the debate with our producer, who's like, "Oh, you got you know you you think about." Pennsylvania, like, bro. Whoa. <laughs> anything, like, let me reiterate, anything below Virginia, you're fine. <laughs> Pennsylvania, last time I checked a map, is not below Virginia. Nope, not, not, However, I don't think so. However, we brought in the caveat to the argument, mm-hmm. what about the Midwest? Yeah. Kansas City. Kansas City. St. Louis. Illinois. Illinois. We had some, I had some phenomenal tailgate food out there. North Dakota. Right there with them. Because... 
uh, again, all the beef. I forgot. I can't. Rem- it's sad that I, I'm making this this, <laughs> but I can't remember the dish I had uh, out there. It was, you know, and I met Brock Jensen as well too. He right. was at the tailgate. They was playing Montana. I can't remember the, the exact dish. Yeah, uh, but somebody gave me, but. I don't know if it was a, a gumbo or a stew, yeah. but my God, it was flavorful. It was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You and have a lot of game meats out there. Between that's, the- I was about to say, that, that's what I had, yeah. too. It was it was a lot of, um, obviously, it was a lot of bison, but it was some good game meat. And the night after the, the game, the Montana-North Dakota State game, I went out to a restaurant, and I had uh, bison. Yeah. Like, um, oh, it's good. It, it was phenomenal. It was my first time ever having bison. Oh yeah! And, but the tailgate for North Dakota State, which was interesting because I learned this too, like they they could tailgate pre and at halftime, and they're nuts because they were out in the quarterfinals. At least it was nine degrees. They were outside. They had tents. They just put a space heater in the middle. They're good. The burgers gonna get cooked, man. <laughs> and then Eastern Washington. East, I mean, that part of Washington is wild, wild, wide open spaces too. So. Could have a lot of interesting game meets down at the tailgate, down to the national title. I will tell guy. you this: like, uh, it was the the I'm upset I can't remember the dish because the guy explained it to me. But it was it was some bison sausage I had, mm-hmm. which was phenomenal. So yes, I, I am fully. Uh, I may show up early <laughs> and make my way over there. Might as well. Might as well. Might absolutely. As well. Um, again, folks, that game is on January fifth. We're going to do a light preview of that here uh, on this podcast. And in two weeks, we will go in-depth, position by position, and talk about this national title game. But we got to talk about the coaching carousel because it continues to spin out of control. We had three new coaching openings that have opened up uh, in the FCS level. And we're going to start with one that's a little bit surprising to me, and that's an opening at Drake. Uh, Rick Fox has resigned after five seasons, 33-22, and 22, over five years. Pretty good record. Finished second or tied for second in the Pioneer League the last two years. Kind of a strange changing of the guard here, but certainly a team that has a lot to offer whoever comes in next. I like what Drake did this year, man. Uh, Grant Kramer, I think, is a pro prospect at quarterback. They played some big-time ball at the end of the season yeah. on short notice yeah. against Iowa State in a torrential downpour. Almost beat, almost beat them in that game. Almost beat Iowa friggin' State. <laughs> so so. I, I'm, I'm with you. That, that's, that, to me, that's a good job. Yeah, that's a and solid job. And the Pioneer job. League as a whole... We talked about Drake, Valpo, Stetson, San Diego, Dayton. It's it's getting better. The it's, quality is getting much, much better. <laughs> top to bottom, league. they're going to get Presbyterian, so that it gives right? them that southern footprint. That's going to be a really good job. Interesting job. We'll see who gets that one. Another, another major program with an opening, Chattanooga, is looking for a new head man. Tom Arth uh, leaving after just two seasons with the Mocs, uh, going 9-13. He's actually been hired as the head coach at Akron, so he's moving up to the FBS level, but Chattanooga, this is a team that was looking at national title games about five years ago. This is another giant program that is looking to get back on the national stage. I was shocked at this move. Yeah. I thought Art was going to be a, a really good uh, program builder at Chattanooga, you know, and yeah. so it's a, I was shocked that they moved on from um, Bowden because Bowden got them to another bowl game. Yeah. You know, so it was yeah. like, man, like, he was having more success there than they've ever had in their history. Yeah. So I was surprised they moved on for him, and I was also surprised that Tom Art went to. But it puts him back in that area. He's from John Carroll, played at John right. Carroll. Yeah, exactly. Um, coach great up there, and he's in Akron, which is very nearby. And, you know, I get it. But now, like you said, it leaves a, a 
pretty big job open. Tennessee's got some good ball. Yeah. Tennessee, you got, I mean, especially where they are, you got North Carolina nearby, you got Kentucky all around. It's a pretty diverse area when it comes to uh, high school football. Certainly some places to recruit. And now we get to the drama that is the CAA, where the JMU Dukes have basically said, if you can't beat them, buy them. So they have hired Kurt Signetti from Elon, but we'll get to Elon's situation in a second, but Signetti leaves Elon after two seasons, two back-to-back playoff appearances, 14-9. He's now the new head man at JMU. I mean, they couldn't beat him in the regular season, so you might as well bring him in. <laughs> that was another surprise. I was like, man. Why is Signetti leaving? Right. It, and I get his JMU, but if you're, if you're Elon, you're like, well, damn. There's been some cash dropped. Oh, you know the bag was job. you know the bag was heavy. Oh, bag completely. had to been. They heavy. had the suitcase. Exactly, the suitcase, it was suitcase with, with the double with the clack clack. You click the, the <laughs> and, it, and it opens up. Yep, yep, yeah. exactly. It's like something out of a out of a mobster movie, but certainly had a. I mean, Elon really was a middle of the road team in the CAA for a long time. Signetti comes in and you get back to back playoff appearances. They got a win over JMU this past year. He's clearly got something clicking, and JMU wants a piece of it. But now we've heard now from Elon. Uh, this is via Craig Haley on Twitter about an hour ago. 1 p.m. today, they're going to announce their new head coach. Uh, Tony Trisiani, the defensive coordinator, is getting hired from within. Uh, we're seeing that a little bit more and more in the uh, in the big conferences, at least. So at least they're keeping the same type of formula at Elon to keep it going. I'm speechless. <laughs> Too much drama for Emory here this morning, folks. I'm speechless. But I agree. I I don't know, man. A lot of these things are just like surprising, you know, yeah. at the timing of them. Yeah. You realize signing day is like next week. Yeah. The first signing day. Yeah. So, and we still have several teams that don't have a head coach yet. And it puts those assistants in limbo. Yeah. Because they're out there recruiting and they don't even know if they're going to be around. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Lehigh, we haven't had, an, don't have a new coach for them yet. Charleston Southern, I believe, is still without a coach. Sacramento State announced their coach was gone six week, like three or four weeks ago. They still don't have anybody. And they got coaches the out there recruiting, man, and not really knowing what the what their job status is going to be. It's absolutely crazy. But we can talk about we've got three jobs that have been filled. Um, the rumor at North Dakota State, obviously Coach Kleiman moving to Kansas State, that became official. The, also, the thinking was they will do what they've done before. They will hire from within, and they have. Uh, Matt Entz, the defensive coordinator, becomes the new head coach. He's been the D.C. there for five years. And it's just the conveyor belt of North Dakota State. They do it with quarterbacks. They do it with running backs. They do it with head coaches. And Matt Entz is the next one up in line. And they do it with offensive line. They do it with defense. Damn, they do it with everything. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't expect to drop off from the Bison after this one. Absolutely not. Interesting hire by North Carolina Central. Uh, just happened in the last couple of days. Trey Oliver uh, has been hired there. He is an NC Central alum. He was an assistant coach there for three seasons uh, right after graduation. But the last three years, he's been the defensive coordinator at Southern. And you talked about Southern, how they've been building up. They've got a really good program, and their defense has been the focal point of that. NC Central challenged last year for the MEAC title. This year fell off a pretty good amount. They now have a guy that knows what he's doing coming in to take over this team. And their defense was a big-time problem last year. So Huge. getting a defensive-minded guy to come in that has a track record of success, I think that's going to be great for them. I'll be interested to see how what he does from an offensive perspective, building his staff. But I yep. know at least the defense will be much better uh, for the Eagles. So it's going to be interesting to see what Coach Oliver does there. And one other hire, Austin P. We mentioned this last week. Kind of a heartbreak to see uh, Coach Healy move 
away after what he did for this program. But Austin P has brought in a winner, and it's somebody that is coming from your alma mater. We said there was going to be a Rage and Cajun reference. Um, Mark Hudspeth comes in. He spent last year as the tight ends coach and an offensive, kind of an assistant, sort of a coach, I guess, at uh, Mississippi State. But from 2011 to 2017, he was the head coach at Louisiana, coaching the Raging Cajuns. Got them to, I believe, what, five bowl games in his seven seasons? Five bowl games. Four bowl wins. I know some of those are now vacated because of the NCAA. You can't, I, you can't take wins away. Sorry. No. Four no. bowl victories, five bowl games. Um, impressive job turning around the Vermillion and White, making it a premier program, a, a bowl winning program. We hadn't been to a bowl game in program history prior to Huspeth, and he made it a common occurrence for the Raging Cajun. So I already know right off the bat, he's already the strongest head coach in the OVC. Already. Wow. That's I'm talking about statement. weight strong, weight room strong. So he's, <laughs> I, I think, I think. Have you seen him in a, in a polo? There have been, <laughs> true. There have been, I think there are videos that will be circulating pretty Your quickly. coach cannot compete with Huspeth in a weight room. Already, <laughs> Austin P has the strongest head coach. Literally. And they brought in a winner, so maybe a strongest head coach on the field, although I think maybe Jacksonville State maybe will have a, something to say. It's going to make that. things interesting because we were, we, were all, we, were, we were ready for Austin B to come back again this year. We were all wearing the Will Healy. <laughs> the Will Healy fan club. Well, exactly. We were co- co-founders of the Will Healy fan club. We had banners up. We had signs made. We, we had everything. We were rooting for you. And then, but we understand that he took the better job in Charlotte. Yep. But shout out to Huspet getting back the head coaching job for spending a year at Mississippi State as an assistant tight ends coach, I believe, or a tight ends coach. Yeah. Um, but he's a head coach. Yeah. And it's good to see him get back to being a head coach. I'm excited to see what he does for the governors. Absolutely. Folks, we're going to take a quick break here on the podcast. When we come back, we're going to be talking awards. we got uh, the freshman of the year and the coach of the year awards have already been handed out. We're still waiting on who's going to win the Walter Payton and the Buck Buchanan Award. We're going to talk about the finalists of those awards. Uh, we'll talk about what we can expect from the All-American team from the FCS Stats that will be released tomorrow. So we'll be talking about that. And then we will tease what we are going to do in two weeks in terms of our Conference by Conference awards and a light preview of the national title game, which is going to be very, very intriguing. We're going to do, again, a full breakdown in two weeks. But if you want a little tease, a little taster, a little appetizer, if you will, uh, before the full jambalaya comes out for the main course, you can get it here on the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We'll be back after this quick break. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now is the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19. 1964. Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit Go. CSB.com. 
Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. David Hassigan here with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Again, folks, if you want to listen back on any of these podcasts, you can go back all the way to our conference previews to see how wrong we were with our playoff predictions. You can go back as far as that by going to SoundCloud or iTunes, searching Football Game Plan in the podcast section. And while you're over there, subscribe. Give us a five-star rating so you don't miss anything coming out from Football Game Plan. Again, youtube.com slash football game plan for the preview videos from the NFL to fantasy to whatever you want to talk about in football. It is on there. And don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com for all of your breakdowns. We're going to be, Emery will be breaking down all of the all-star games that are still coming uh, for the FCS and college football in general. He will be breaking those down for you. So you don't even have to go if you don't want to, but you can watch it on TV if you want for the Shrine game. Um, for what other games are you going to be covering? We got a whole bunch of them. College Gridiron Showcase will be first. That's the weekend of the FCS Championship. Tropical game. Bowl, Tropical Bowl up. after that, and then the East West Shrine game, then a Senior Bowl, so and then the Combine. So all that coverage, folks. You will be a draft expert if you listen to the man to my left. Many people haven't, and they've been proven wrong. Oh man, I'm loving this season. <laughs> all of a sudden, people realize Tariq Cohen is a good football player. Oh, Tariq Cohen's decent. Lamar Jackson, I, I think he's a decent starting quarterback. Four or five wins in the last five. But it's amazing what happens when you actually work smarter, not harder, right? It, it, it's Football it, not that complicated. No, no, no. It really is. I mean, look at Easton Stick. I think he's proven that week after week. Here's what's so funny about, <laughs> about those folks because it was the Senior Bowl. Practice number one. First day at practice. Not even a full uh, middle part of practice. The <laughs> opening drills. Cooper Cup dropped a few passes. Now, oh, no. keep in mind, this is Cooper Cup who has broken all of Jerry Rice's records. Yeah. This is Jerry Rice that is the greatest receiver of all time <laughs> and was the greatest college football receiver of all time, especially at the FCS record. Had records that stood from, I don't know, what, 1984 to Cooper Cup? Yeah. Dropped a few passes in the individual drill. All you saw from the blogosphere and reporters that were in the t- Oh, Cooper's cup, cup, cup is overrated. I think he's done okay since then, hasn't he? gets he? to the Rams. And all of a sudden... He blows the F up and it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> Who would have known? Like, Interesting. I hate football. <laughs> all you have to do, folks, is listen to the FCS Opening Drive podcast. You have to listen to this man's videos over here. He knows what he's talking about. I've been proven wrong time and again over the last two years. Trust me. This is the man you want to listen to. And he has a blue check mark by his name on Twitter now, so you know he's official. That's funny. I, it's, I didn't realize how, <laughs> how serious people took the blue check mark until I started tweeting out the same takes that I was tweeting out before. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow, he's... Wait a minute. Right. <laughs> he's official. Right. It's like, dude, I, I said the same thing last week. <laughs> you didn't care last week, but now you care because it's a blue check. I mean, I didn't care until you had the blue check either. So, but <laughs> <laughs> just Again, you mentioned Jerry Rice. You mentioned him before. Let's talk about awards season. We've got two of the awards uh, for the outstanding players have been awarded and coaches have been awarded at the FCS level. And we're going to start with the Jerry Rice Award, which, of course, is given to the best freshman uh, in any given season. This year, Josh Davis, the running back from Weber State, is the recipient Part of the reason why Weber was in the conversation this year when a lot of us thought, including both of us, that they might have a downturn this year. After a good performance last season, back-to-back quarterfinal appearances, and Josh Davis is a big part of it. Yeah, a big part of it. So I, I don't uh, have a, you know, I don't have a disagreement with that one. 
That's a really good pick, by the way. I, I was surprised they went out west, but that's a really good pick. Re- I mean, a really solid player. And, and we a lot of the questions for Weber State were on on defense. Defense, right? We didn't really have. No, I had some on offense because they 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 lost um, Bollard, the tight end. True. They lost a the quarterback. But Davis comes in as a freshman, plays all twelve games, two hundred and fifty carries, thirteen hundred and sixty two yards, nine touchdowns. The the most impressive thing about that for a true freshman is the fact that you came in and quickly got up to speed on the blocking yeah. assignments. Yeah. That's huge. Running is natural. Yeah. It's all instinctive. But the fact that he was able to pick up that on that quickly and be able to start, that's impressive. Five point four yards a carry for the season, hundred and thirteen yards a game. Not bad as a freshman. Not, not bad. bad at all. Congratulations, Josh, on that award. Uh, also awarded so far is the Eddie Robinson Award, um, given to the best coach in college football at the FCS level. And it goes to Dan Hawkins from UC Davis. Very much deserved. This was this was a, an award not a lot of people really knew who it was going to go to. There were a lot of very deserving candidates uh, this season. But Dan Hawkins, what he did with the UC Davis team, really was impressive this year. Yeah, I mean, there were a legitimate bad defensive series away from playing for the chance to go to Frisco. Yeah, yeah. And a quick turnaround, too, from what he did last year was impressive. I thought he could have won it last year. Yeah. Considering, you know, what he did with UC Davis made them highly competitive. But it set the table for this year, and this year's run was so phenomenal for the Aggies. Solid choice. There were some great coaches out there. Stetson's head coach, I thought, had a really good, noteworthy year. Yeah. But... You can't argue what they did with, with Dan Hawkins. So I think you. Could, I mean, you could have talked about um, Sarace at Princeton with an undefeated Poof, season with that team. With that team, which was that was a fun scary. story to to cover the entire year. I, I totally agree. I think you could have talked about uh, Colgate and Hunt. I think could have been my in the cousin. Absolutely. Um, I you mentioned Stetson, uh, Coach Hughes in his sixth year, incredible turnaround with an eight win season for Stetson. Um, but what UC Davis was able to do and really became a complete program this year under Dan Hawkins in the second Harris Simiak with, I mean, the, the FBS upsets and the, the fact that Maine was semifinals. Yeah, yeah, right there. So a lot of great coaches this year, but congratulations to Coach Hawkins. Uh, thoroughly deserved in his second season. I can't wait to see what he does now in year three. Now that he's got his recruits moving up for UC Davis, they could be scary moving forward. Let's talk about the two awards that have not gone out yet. I'm going to start with the Buck Buchanan Award, which is the best defensive player at the FCS level. Three nominees, the three finalists, Zach Hall, the linebacker from Southeast Missouri State, Dante Olson, the linebacker from Montana, and Derek Robertson, the defensive end from Sam Houston State. Three incredible players here that are all thoroughly deserving of the award. Yeah, and and, I mean, if I had a choice... I look at Southeast Missouri State's linebacker. I think he is phenomenal. Zach dude. Hall had a hell of a year. He had a hell of a year, man. I think he would be the one who would get the award. But all three choices are, are fantastic. I, see, I, I really like Dante Olson from mm-hmm. Montana. The, he the, was outstanding, too. And what's, um, what's good about him is that Montana's defense as a whole is really good, especially in the second level. So to stand out like he did this season amongst a, a – full barrel of great players at Montana that shows you the really really how good he is and then Robertson you talk about Sam Houston State you don't usually talk about defense you get a guy from that defense to play that well enough to become a finalist for your defensive player of the year that says something how forgotten was Sam Houston State this year forgettable like is 
weird. We talked about them, you know, being depressing. Then we talked about them <laughs> resurging. Then yeah. we talked about them falling off. So we, they, they, it was a real life roller coaster season yeah. for the Bearcats. But tremendous. at least they have their hair coach still in place. Yeah. With all the, you know, what I'm saying, with That's all the coaches true. like bouncing and and taking jobs up, you know, Keeler is still in place, so they'll be fine. I'm al- I'm almost surprised a little bit that he has been part of it because. It's been just a weird year, folks. Give it time. And now we go to the most outstanding player, the Walter Payton Award, or as I like to call it, the best offensive player, because that's really what it has come down to. Three quarterbacks, three very different styles. Chandler Burks, the quarterback from Kennesaw State, who unfortunately, again, got hurt in the last playoff game, which is probably why Kennesaw wasn't part of the semifinals, uh, to be perfectly honest. Devlin Hodges, the do-everything-the-record-breaker from Samford, why he's not getting more attention and going to more getting more also game invites, I don't know because he, I mean, he broke a record held by Steve McNair. I mean, let's be honest here. And then Easton Stick, North Dakota State's do everything quarterback, three outstanding leaders, three outstanding quarterbacks, three totally different styles of how to play the game. Really, a tough choice here. It's not a tough choice. <laughs> I'm trying to be. I'm trying to give all three guys. Let's a Let's look here. at this from a marketing standpoint. <sighs> marketing. Name the three quarterbacks again: Chandler Burks, Devlin Hodges, Easton Stick. Who's playing in a championship game? <sighs> See, when is the championship game? The championship game is on Saturday, right? <sighs> the awards banquet is what Friday. I, 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 oh wow! The quarterback that's playing in the championship game will be. <laughs> In the same town of the awards banquet on Friday night, you think they're going to give this award to anybody other you than you? Are e- so cynical, so completely. It's, cynical. The, it's the media market that I that I live in, and you're probably still right. But here's, I'm, see, I'm going to make a case for the other two. Though. Make the case in terms of Chandler Burks, as someone who's watched option football through you know going to a college at a triple option offense, the quarterback of an option offense takes an absolute beating. You get hammered on every single play. Everybody gets a free shot at you, and yet you still have to perform under extreme pressure and making last-minute decisions to run that kind of offense as effectively as he has the last two years to get Kennesaw where they have been is absolutely impressive. So in terms of being a football mind and a football, you know, being able to run that kind of offense, absolute respect. Devlin Hodges, I don't know why people don't need have to be sold on him. How many yards did he throw for again? Some outrageous number. He's broken records of the SCS level held by Steve McNair. And yet he's the underdog here. Like, that's incredible to me. All right. Let me poke holes in your your cases. (laughs) Fine. Go for it. Start with Chandler Burks. I agree with you. And from a leadership and how would I say, Uh, not legacy, but leadership and pedigree standpoint from you know juxtaposed to Easton Stick he yep. has it four years starter actually Devin, Devlin Hodges has has it too True. You know, both four year starters all all three guys you know they started mm-hmm. a lot of games played a lot of games won a lot of games both all complete, competed in playoffs and stuff like that but Chandler Burks on a national scale even within the FCS I think is still kind of an unknown be- and right or wrong or indifferent because of where he plays that's okay. going to hurt him. True. Despite the fact that he is well-deserving. Yes. Because of what he did with an upstart program yeah. and getting them highly ranked 
getting them to deep runs in the playoffs. And if it wasn't for bad weather plus his injury, they might be still playing. They might be still playing. So I agree with you there. But because he plays at Kennesaw State and is not widely known and hadn't broken records, that puts him third, in my opinion. Okay. Second, let's work on Devlin Hodges. Phenomenal passer. Great promo video for his making his case. Should be going to an all-star game somewhere. Right. Should be. But here's why it works against him. Because of those amazing passing numbers, how much of that is meaningful yards or trying to get the record? So people will look at that oh, and come say, on. yeah, people will look come at Come on now. He, no. You know, now granted, you could, you could look at the defense and blame the defense for having the quarterback play in shootouts all the time, which is a great argument. But that's not the conference, though. He's not playing in the Southland. He's yes. playing in the SoCon. How many interceptions he threw this year? Exactly. You know, when you find it, let me know. Because here's the thing, too. They're going to look at those passing numbers and say, yeah, what the offense is. I'm just I'm telling you what the argument against it will be. They throw a lot. They throw for a lot of yards. That's their offense. But he also threw some critical interceptions that hurt his case. Had they would have beaten Florida State, which was very possible, I think he would have a stronger case. Had they would have gotten to the playoffs it would have been a stronger case. Name me a quarterback who's had 30-plus touchdowns three consecutive seasons. Who's Eastern? What Didn't Gubru do that? I don't care. He didn't set any records. No, he didn't. You're talking, about, Gubru- a, you're talking about effective yardage. He's had 30-plus touchdowns three seasons. That's great. That yardage. What was the interception number this year? You see how – listen, f- folks. You see how I asked him a question, and he quickly went to a different point? I'm Fox Newsing right now. I'm deflecting. <laughs> Give me the interceptions for this year. 16. That's a lot, dude. Still a 2-1 to one ratio because he had 32 touchdowns. Bruh. <laughs> you're, technically, you're right. It is a 2-1 to one ratio. The- stats, 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 stats. <laughs> I will put you up on stats. I will be but that I, guy right now. I will say this. What, what, what has him second ahead of Chandler Burks to me is the fact that he broke a legitimate record that – yeah. Even with the passing offense, even with the Gage Goobroods, and who was the quarterback before Goobrood? Um, oh, God, I can't remember his name. Oh, I know you're talking about, yeah, yeah. But even with Eastern Washington's quarterback and all the passing they've done, even with all the passing offenses that we've seen from Sam Houston State, yeah, the fact that no one has come close to breaking that record until Devlin Hodges broke the record, that's big time. So I put him second. 1,400, 584 yards for his career. That's insane. I'll put I'll put him second. All right. That but when you look at Easton Stick, it's not just a player of the year award. You know it's not player of the year. Oh, it, I know it is. They're gonna treat this award will be treated like the, it's the quarterback of the year award. Let's well, be honest. It's here. the it's the great career award too. It's like Herschel Walker's Heisman trophy. Uh, they should have gave it to him as a true freshman. They should have gave it to him as a sophomore. Yeah. But they waited to his junior okay. Now we, you're okay. Yeah, we kind of we kind of got to give it to him. You know, so yeah, yeah. I think this is going to happen for Easton Stick. Has he won it before? I don't know. Does he, I don't I don't I don't think he won it last year, did he? I don't know. I mean, you got the, the Why are we blanking on? This? Right. <laughs> We're supposed to be the experts here, folks. Yeah, you know, it's been a long weekend. I, so I I I I think <laughs> with with the fact that North Dakota State is playing in a title game, the he, fact that he was not a finalist last year. Dude, he's Jeremy, winning this award. Jeremiah Briscoe won it last year. Talk about another quarterback that shouldn't have should have proven that record. He didn't. He didn't, right? So that's that's why Hodges has a legitimate shot, and that's why he's second. That's why he's down there in in uh, Fort Worth or Frisco. 
But I believe this award is Easton Sticks in a running in a runaway because it makes sense from a marketing standpoint. Think about the production staff that's going to be, uh, you know, at the game the, the, the following day. Like, oh, the Walter Payton Award champion is in this. Bo-. Like, dude, it makes so much sense from a marketing standpoint. On the field, they got to find a way to give it to Easton Stick. Awards shouldn't be political, folks. They shouldn't be. Say. They shouldn't be. But this almost makes too much sense for it not to happen. Of course it does. I just want to see how the voting uh, plays out. If it plays out, uh, Stick, Hodges, and Burks, and by how much. See, I'm, I'm going to do my corso. Closer than the experts think. Closer than the experts if, think. If you have a complaint with what I just said or what he just said, just at Craig Haley. Because <laughs> he's in charge of picking the, the winners. Craig's just like, oh, come on. Just give me one week where I'm not the full. Uh, uh, Craig anyway. needs a blue check, by the way. Craig does need a blue check. The guy works hard. He does absolutely incredible work. He's given us scoops on the air. He, he, yeah, the guy Craig, deserves a blue check. Mark. Craig needs a blue check. But also, Craig is responsible for picking the Walter Payton Award winner. So any complaints you have, at <laughs> Craig Haley. And at FCS underscore stats. And speaking of awards, again, the All-American team is going to be released by FCS stats tomorrow. At Craig Haley. For the FCS team. Um, so that'll be interesting to take a look at. And in two weeks' time, we were we are going to have our... FCS opening drive awards. We're going to go conference by conference and give our uh, give out our offensive and defensive player of the year in each conference. So we'll give a little tease there. But let's talk about this national title game again. This is not going to be the be all and end all. We will go into a full in depth position by position breakdown of the national title game in two weeks. So in two weeks, you got your conference award winners. And your national title game preview. We're going to take next week off, but let's do a light preview here, Emery. Eastern Washington looking for their second national title. People forget they they were they got their national title game before the Bison Dynasty began. And then you've got North Dakota State looking for how many national titles is it now? Four, Seven, something eight? like that. Just something something unreal. Because um, if you count their Division Two national championships, it's and you they, know, and you know they do. I don't think they've ever <laughs> lost a championship. Like I, 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 I feel like they've won them all. Yeah, no, it, it's been it, it's an un, it's unbelievable what they've been able to do. Um, there's no denying that they're looking for now their seventh national title game win in the FCS level alone since 2011. And this will be the, I mean, this will this is uh, Chris Kleiman looking for his fourth national title game by himself. But Eastern Washington, again, very underrated. They've been under the radar for most of the year. How, I don't know. They've had an incredible comeback season. Remember, they missed the playoffs last year. They people, did. F- people forget that. Maybe, possibly a snub at 7 and Yeah, four. you can make it. Yeah, it was very debatable. There were, there, the whole playoff process last year was very debatable. Don't get us started on McNeeson and Austin Peay. I won't. Okay. I won't. But a very nice comeback year, and Eastern Washington's gone through a lot. We talked about it, Gage Gubrud. He everyone was he was the talk about that program this year. Gets injured at what three or four weeks into the season, I believe, and all of a sudden this guy named Berrier comes in, and he starts running the ball. I mean, I think his first game, I think he ran for like what two hundred thirty yeah, yards. Ridiculous. So they're like, wait a minute, Eastern Washington throws the ball, but then the week after that he threw the ball for four hundred yards. He has come in and been a total game breaker. He broke Vernon Adams' record. He's he's had. <laughs> Need I say more? But you've got, again, let's talk about this quickly. The quarterback matchup here is going to be very, very intense because you have two quarterbacks who are very, very similar. Easton Stick, 
We know what he can do running the ball. He's gotten much better this year in his passing game. Barrier, we know he can run for almost 200 yards. Last week he threw for seven touchdowns. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's you got two quarterbacks that have a ton of weapons around them that are completely unpredictable. And in a way, Barrier is almost like he, he's almost the extreme version of Easton Stick. Easton Stick has a very is very controlled. He knows his game. He knows his passing game especially. Barrier takes that and just kind of goes, I'm going to go all out. Sometimes that gets him in trouble. Right. But this is, an inc- this is a great quarterback matchup to start with. Oh, easily. I mean, and if you want to go even further, this is probably, outside of this playoff run, these are the only big games Barrier has played in. Yeah. Stick has played in a championship game before, won one last year, obviously. Played in big games, beat Iowa. You know, he has played in, in monumental games. He had to step in as a freshman and take over for Carson Wentz during yep. that injury and got them to the title game. Yep. So we don't know how Barry will perform under this microscope of the national championship game. But you're right. All all things being equal, quarterback is a push. Yeah. Backfield. Absolutely. Now the Bison have depth, but Sam McPherson is no slouch. No. Absolutely not. Thirteen hundred so yards rushing this year. The running game is a push. Offensive line is that's going to be a, a battleground. Yeah, Off, I think offensive weaponry it's it's, it's level. equal, right? Because it's so unpredictable for both teams. And defensive line with JT Tooley for Eastern Washington and Menard and company with with uh, North Dakota State, yeah, could be a, considered a push. Yeah, linebackers. I like Cox for uh, for North Dakota State, Jabril Cox. But Eastern Washington spread out Maine like crazy last week. It's push. Push. <laughs> secondary. I think it's a push. I think both secondaries match up well, especially on the corners. And see, here's, what, here's the thing with FCS stats. They put out the, the headline today, you know, storyline, dynasty or monumental upset. I don't see it as an upset if Eastern Washington wins this ball game. It'll it, be just a good win. It's a solid game all so the way around. Th- these are two evenly matched teams. I can't wait to fully break this one down in two weeks. And I think what's going to be really awesome is the chess match between the offensive coordinators. Because, again, you have no idea who, where or who is getting the ball. Six, seven different guys, including Sam McPherson, have thrown a pass for Eastern Washington this year. Seven different guys. Now, obviously, one of them is Gage Gubert. He will not be available. Right. But you've got trick plays all over the place. They've brought in freshmen at times. Running the ball, I mean, it, <laughs> it's just an incredible backfield for both. Breaking news. Breaking news from on the football podcast. scoop. Troy yep. Taylor is set to be the new Sacramento State head coach. We were talking about Sacramento State. Troy Taylor, do we have any insight about what he brings to the we program? We do not, but I do have <laughs> the name coming from football scoop. There we go, folks. See what happens when we get, we get live breaking news on a recorded podcast. Where else can you get that, folks? Honestly. He's coming from Utah. Coming? Ooh. He was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Utah. I think I've liked uh, Utah's offense the last couple seasons. I think so, too. They, that's another team that seems to like... When quarterbacks go down, the next quarterback steps up and doesn't miss um, a beat. Yeah. So, so interesting to see what happens there. See, th- this is what happens, folks. We told you we were only going to give you a light preview, and we get breaking news to break up the light preview, so that way we can end the podcast. <laughs> folks, thanks for listening in. Again, we will be off next week. Enjoy uh, your Christmas celebrations. Please be safe. Enjoy it with friends and family. Enjoy some Football and NBA, I think it's Christmas Day. That's their holiday. So Drink responsibly. 
Yep. If you're looking at bowl games to put a couple of shekels on a couple of games, bet responsibly. Yes. Don't lose your Christmas money betting on these uh, bowl games. You know, <laughs> so yeah. drink responsibly, bet responsibly, eat responsibly. Don't fry turkeys indoors. Do not do that. Although I think ham, I think ham is more popular around Christmas. I believe. Don't fry turkeys in. <laughs> we, listen, I know we're in the Northeast. <laughs> I know we're in New York City area, but Dave, come on. Hey, my uncle's doing prime rib, so that's a northeast. If it, all right, <laughs> maybe I'm speaking as a southern representative. Yes, you are. But things are being fried. Yes, so, you are. Yes, ham is a staple. Ham is always a good thing, yes. right? But come on, turkeys, fried turkey, turkey fried down, anything. Turkey down south is that's the thing. That's America's bird. <laughs> that was supposed to be America's bird if Ben Franklin had his way. Fun fact for your civics ah, lesson I here. did not know that. They, the turkey was supposed to be the national bird, not the bald eagle. I will give you another fun fact. Did you know <laughs> what was supposed to be the, the national's capital, the nation's capital, before it was decided that Washington, D.C.? Well, there were several different cities that were the nation's capital before D.C. I believe New York was at one time. I believe Philadelphia was. I think Baltimore even was. But what was supposed to be the capital, Mr. Emery? Before they picked D.C., yes. Patterson, New Jersey. Did you know that? be a very different place now (laughs) if you think about think about the landscape of patterson as far as like the geographical landscape and why (laughs) and why it makes sense you got the you know the the mountains you got waterfalls you got the 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 way the terrain is it's like you could (laughs) you can duck us uh you could build a nice safe city or safe uh, you know infrastructure around a capital Similar to what D.C. has. When you go to D.C., you see all the different. True. It's built the same way as Patterson. Patterson, New Jersey. I did not know That's two that. fun facts for these for this folks out here. Like, they learned something today. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're learning all these civic facts, folks. It's, all, <laughs> it's the least we could do to wrap up your 2018. Uh, you talked about bowl games, though. Let's just go right through them real quick. Boca Raton Bowl tomorrow, UAB Northern Illinois. Wednesday, the Frisco Bowl, San Diego State versus Ohio. Interesting ball game there. Mm-hmm. Thursday, uh, the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Everybody shaking his head. Marshall versus South Florida. So all uh, the green. That's going to be right. All the green. That's going to be a good one. Uh, Friday the 21st, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Western Michigan BYU, and the Bahamas Bowl, Florida International versus Toledo. So we got those programs going at it. Uh, Saturday, de- December 22nd, four bowl games to start to have your day. Birmingham Bowl, Memphis versus Wake Forest. Good game good there. Game. The Armed Forces Bowl, Houston versus Army. Really good game. Contrast in styles. Dollar General Bowl, Buffalo versus Troy. Buffalo had a great That's season. a great game because Troy is really good, and Buffalo has the quarterback that everybody likes in Tyree Jackson. Interesting there. And the Hawaii Bowl, guess who? Hawaii taking on Louisiana Tech. Nice little travel, though, for the boys from, uh, from La Tech. Former WAC uh, matchup. Old WAC matchup. So. Interesting. Very, very interesting. And, again, there's so many bowl games going on after Christmas as well. We really don't have the time to go through them all. Um, but... It's going to be a great holiday season. So everybody listening, have a very Merry Christmas. Have a very Happy New Year. We will be back to give you a full preview, just before the New Year actually, just before the New Year, to break down this national title game in full. And we will be ready to give you that in two weeks. Have a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening in.